was from, oh, probably the beginning of when I began to, t- to think about, God began to minister this to my heart about the gain of loss, the gain of loss. Sister Susan said to me this morning, what are we going to get to lose today? <laughs> what do we get to lose today? And so we've been working on that. You don't gain anything in the kingdom of God unless there is a loss on your part. And that's not real, I mean, it's probably not going to hear too many saying that. There are probably some, but, but it's just easier to say that God's just going to pour out manifold blessing on your life. And he's just going to bless you because he loves you. And he wants you to have all the good stuff. But we've run into this thing in the New Testament, this conditional clause, if, and it's just everywhere. There is decisions on our part that qualify us in certain areas. There's things that we do, and it's an if. If we do a certain thing, God reacts a certain way. Now, and then we look at that and we say, well, that's a works gospel. Well, no, it's a conditional gospel. You can't earn anything. But if, if you will do, if you will heed the word of the Lord, it's always been that way, the Old Testament. If you will hear my preachers and prophets, then, you know, I will. And it's always been that way. God hasn't changed that because that's his order. That's what he put together. And so when we talk about this, the gain of loss, and really, you know, that's not very popular to say that you've got to lose things, but really, I just want to tell you the truth. You're going nowhere in God unless you lose something. I just, I just want to be truthful with you. And so this particular sermon I held off on because of well, the baby dedications, and I just thought, Lord, and, and so I've got some things to do kind of towards the end, and and uh, you'll see why that we kind of held off a little bit. But would you go with me to the book of Matthew, the 23rd chapter, 12th verse? Again, the book of Matthew, 23:12. And I just want to pick this one verse. And whosoever will exalt himself shall be humbled. Mm. And whoever will humble himself will be exalted. It's a pretty straightforward statement. I don't think there's, you know, anywhere to go with that. Was there some kind of some kind of area we can work in, kind of get an interpretation of this. Here's the interpretation. If you don't humble yourself, God will. But if you humble yourself, God will lift you up. It's, it's pretty straightforward. This is from the Lord's mouth. And so I want to go over to the book of James, and he'll amplify this a little bit. Um, just basically some of the things that uh, he's got one of those. I call him a sandwich, a spiritual sandwich. And so the Lord's, you know, we're eating of the Lord, and you're going to get a sandwich here. It's sandwiched by the word humble. These scriptures. So James, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse 
through the 10th verse. So in the 6th verse, it begins to work on, on humble. And then the 10th verse, it puts the other side of it in. So let's read what it says. But he gives greater grace because of this. He says, God sets himself against proud ones. But he gives grace to humble ones. Hmm. Then be subject to God. And I like King James. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I've heard this preached quite a few times, and so if you're working in succession, you don't resist the devil first. You submit yourself to God first. And then you resist the devil, right? And then he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Boy, I like that one. That's another one of those conditional things, right? I just want God to really be close to me and just really come in. Just, I want him all around. Well, you draw nigh to him. That's the condition. If you draw nigh unto him, he'll draw nigh unto you. And then um, <clears throat> cleanse your hands, sinners. <clears throat> Purify your hearts, double-minded ones. Be distressed and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into shame. Be humbled before the Lord and he will exalt you. You're going to need to lose to gain. I like being exalted, Pastor. That's, that's the better part. Better part to be exalted. Just That's good stuff right there. Humbled, nah, not so much. Exalted and lifted up, I think we can all do that really well. Everybody likes to be appreciated. Can you say amen? Everybody loves appreciation. We, we love, you know, not so much notoriety, but we just, you know, we, we like to be appreciated. We like people to pat us on the back occasionally. And it's just our human nature. Not so much in humbling. So we're going to work on it this morning, all right? Is that all right? God has spoken. Let the church say, it's not Rod has spoken. God has spoken. And let the church say amen. So we're going to work in his word this morning and just believe that the Lord is just going to just going to encourage and challenge, challenge each of our hearts to do just exactly that. Lord, we thank you that your word is a guide to us, Lord, and that without your word, we really would not know what we need to know sometimes, Lord. And we just ask you that that word just becomes so real to us today. God, and I pray that it will pour over us as an anointing as the oil that poured over Aaron said, that anointing oil, it went down upon his garments, down even to the ground. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint the hearers this morning with your word, and we pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm going to take the King James rendering in James there. Submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to God. And I draw a picture in my mind of submitting myself to God that somehow submitting myself to God is what I want it to be. But really, 
this isn't abstract at all. God's not drawing an abstract picture here about submitting yourself to God. It isn't left up to the hearer to self-impose your own meaning what submit yourself to God is. And that's why I said, first of all, that this scripture is sandwiched between two other scriptures that talk about humbling yourself to the process of God in your life. We're learning that. Every one of us are coming to that in our life. And I just believe that, that the growth that God puts in us, it's, it's not instantaneous. Years ago, one of the things I think we made a lot of mistakes because we look back at it now, and a lot of people who we thought were ready, a lot of people we thought were really equipped, we sent them out, and, and a lot of times people went out to start churches. They went out to do ministries, and, and they were not ready at all. They were not equipped. They were not set for it. God hadn't built them into a place where, where they had uh, uh, the, the wisdom and understanding of God, and we thought that it was an instantaneous thing. You know, just come down here. God's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you're ready to go, but that's good. You're ready to go where? You're ready to start in the things of God. You're ready to learn. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He equips us, opens our heart, and then God begins to build us and build us, and this process begins to go on in our life that doesn't take a week. It doesn't take a month. It takes a, it's gradual. The processes of God in our life are gradual. And, and so he doesn't pour everything on us at one time. Can you say amen? And so I know over the process of time we learn and, and things begin to come clear to us, things we didn't understand, things we couldn't handle, things that, that were beyond us. And, and I like one time the, Jesus told the disciples, he said, I've got a whole lot more to say to you, but you can't receive it right now. Do you ever feel that way? <laughs> it's like, I've been waiting for that to come down the line. How come you held that back so long, Lord? But there's certain times where we know where God is ready to give and we're ready to receive. And so that process that happens in our life that comes along and it is, it is in connection with these scriptures that say, submit yourself, therefore, to God. And let's look at this word submit, the Greek word hupotasso and and it is a combination of two words, hupo, which is under, and tasso, which is to arrange. And so it should really, could read this way, place yourself under God's arrangement. Wow, that says something different to me than submit yourself to God. Because I can submit myself to God and feel good about it. I've just, you know, I felt like, that God wanted this and that in my life. So I just submitted to this or that. But really to fall under the arrangement and order which God has purposed for your life is a little bit more difficult for us to do. It becomes one of those things that, that uh, we struggle with in our Christian walk. Listen, it's all a man can do. It's everything he can do to do it another man's way. All of you guys that have a job and work and have established how you want to do things, let a new boss come in on that job and tell you how he wants it done, and there's nothing worse than that. I've been doing it this way. This is how I do it. And, you know, even though he's, he's come in here and he's, he's got the power to that, still, still, I'm... This is the way I do things, and that's how we are. 
That's how we are in our flesh. That's how we are in our spirit. We are in our heart. This is how I do it. And not only that, there's something indelibly written in us, and it's an absolute thing in us, and it says, I'm right. And the reason why I do it this way is because I am right. And somebody say, man. And, and God looks at that and he says to us in the Old Testament, quote, this is the way, walk in it. Man, that doesn't leave me a whole lot of room, does it? You know, I just, can we negotiate on this a little bit, Lord? I'm, I'm not, really, this is the way, walk in is so tight for me. It, there's, there, there's nowhere, you know, all I get to do is just do what you say. Well, that's, that's the whole program is that everything in God is done His way. And, and then in the New Testament, it says, Paul says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. So pretty much it's saying the same thing that the Old Testament says, is that God has a way. God has it all planned out. You don't have to make nothing up. You don't have to invent anything. God already has it together. All you have to do is do it His way. Let's go back to the verse. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Place yourself under God's arrangement. And again, this refers to the apostolic teaching about the person of Jesus and His kingdom program, and herein is the battle as it rages in our heart, the battle of wills. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't have the battle of wills, you're the only one. You're just the only one. I've got a will and my will, and we know, we know, you know, the example of the Lord, and we know the scripture says, not my will, but thine be done. We know that. And we can quote that. That just rolls off our lips so easy. In fact, we sing songs about it. It just is something that we quote, not my will, but thine be done. But herein is the battle because, listen, I'm okay with not my will, thine be done. And I can go along with that until it crosses up my will. As long as my will and God's will are coinciding, we're walking, man, we're having the best of times. I'll tell you what, it is glory until my will crosses up with the will of God. Then it's not glory anymore. It's some, it's some agony in me. It's some, it's some submission in me that, that there again I hit that and I don't like it because I want to do it my way. And, and really, I think my way is probably better than God's way. He just he missed on this one. And I've got it figured out. If I can just do it this way, then everything's going to be good for my life. And we didn't submit to him, and everything fell flat. And then God just hauls us back to the Scriptures and says, submit your way to God's arrangement in your life. Can everybody say amen? Everybody with me so far? It's a battle that, that you're going to fight. You're going to fight to the end of your life. But this is one of those places that I think Paul gave us that scripture. We are more than conquerors in Christ 
Jesus, we are more than victorious. And we're looking about going out and just grabbing the devil up and, and putting him in a vice and hurting him. And, and we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. No, I don't nearly have the battle with the devil as I have with myself. We've been blaming the devil so long and, and we just put it off on him. And it's not. It's me. I'm the one with the will, not the devil. The only thing the devil has power to do to the Christian is to offer them failure. That's it. He can't force you. He can't make you. He can't turn your heart. You're covered by the blood. You're anointed. You're born again. You are immune from his sinful ways unless you act what he has presented to you. And so the battle goes on. The devil knows that. The will the will just seems like it's, it's something that has to be bent. It's something that's got to be. It's like a child. You leave a child and they will embarrass the parent. That's what the scripture said. A child left to itself will embarrass the parent. Why? Because his will has to be bent. Anybody ever have to, had to raise a strong-willed child? Okay, she's got her hand up. Okay, you only had three that were strong-willed. Strong-willed children are great. You know, I love it that they have that, you know, they're, they're, they've got, they're not just followers. They're not just going to follow in on everything. But I'll tell you what, you talk about a job. For 18 years, you're going to be pulling your hair out. Brother Jake's laughing. No, he's got some strong ones coming up there. It's good. Going to teach you a lesson, and you're going to teach them some lesson to bend the will. Because their will says, no. And your will says, yes, you are. And so the, the bending of the will, it's almost like that'd be like parallel to us in our will with God. In our will with God is, Lord, you know, I'm with you. I'm a child. They're still your children. And even though they're strong, they're still your children. But, but I'll tell you what, it's no wonder the scripture says, whom the Lord loves, he's going to give them a spanking. There's been times I thought I was going to wear my belt out, my hand out on the children, and they still said no. Are you going to? No. No, Lord, please, I don't want to speak them no more. And, and you know, we got this parallel of submitting our will to the Lord, and the Lord, the Lord said, don't you believe that sometimes God takes you out to the woodshed? Whom the Lord loves, he chasteneth. Thank you, Lord. If you don't love a child, just let them go. They'll embarrass you. They'll embarrass yourself. It, it'll be horrible. But if you love them, you're continuing to break that will. And what I say this morning, God, you've got to break our will. Lord, you've got to help us that our will gets up. Our will gets strong. Our will gets going further than, <clears throat> than what it should go in our life. And it crosses up the will of God in our life. And we come into a, into a place where, where we need his correction again in our life. And I know we all love correction. I just can't wait till I'm corrected again. Amen. And so sometimes we sense in the church, some years ago, I had a brother say to me, and, and his life um, after that showed the effects of how he felt and he said these words to me. He said, no man has the right to instruct another man. 
no man has the right to tell another man what to do. And I thought about that for a little bit. I said, that, that sounds good. My will bears witness with that. Your will bears witness with it too. No one's going to tell me what to do. Let's just leave that right there. That's just ingrained in us. And so because I do not submit to anybody, then the only one I submit to is God. See? And so we start this journey of the Abrahamic journey. Is that I just listen, you know, me and God, we got it worked out. We don't need anybody else. We, we talk. We, we, just, we just have it all together. And this gentleman that I talked to about this, he didn't submit himself to anybody just to God. But the, the problem is if we go back to the Scripture. Submit yourself to God is really submitting yourself to the way that God has designed things. It is putting yourself in God's arrangement. I don't want to fall on deaf ears this morning, and I don't want anybody to feel like, you know, that we're trying to do something other than give the word of the Lord. This is a help in your life. This will encourage you. You think, well, I'm just going to submit to God. Well, in that, you submit to his arrangement. Does everybody understand what I'm trying to say this morning? God's arrangement for his kingdom and he himself aren't going to conflict. What God has designed and purpose for the kingdom, for the church, for the people, for the gospel is what he intends for us to submit to. And so in our submitting, there's, there's this thing that says, you know, people are just people and, and really no one has another, the right to tell another man what to do. But Jesus himself, listen, I'm just going to use the gospel here. Jesus himself, before he ascended on high, Ephesians the fourth chapter, he set an order to the future church. Before he left, he set the church an order. He gave some. Everybody know what it is? Apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some teachers and some pastors. I don't care if you like that or not. That's the way God designed it. And now I want to read something and go with me. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we can just read it out of the King James, 4th chapter, 11th verse, and then we'll peruse on down. And I'm kind of teaching here this morning, so I'm not screaming, not spitting as much. But, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and, and, and some pastors and teachers. And going down to the 12th verse. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Next verse. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love that we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, 
from whom the whole body fitly jointed together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, I read all that to say this. God designed how that his church should be. God designed it. And people, let's know it's just men. It's just, no, God designed it and God selected. I believe in ministry. I believe that God calls ministers into place. I believe that God anoints them with a gifting of a special understanding, the word of God, the word of knowledge. I believe that those men are not, we're not going to look at them as a cut above. That's, that's not the idea that there's something special, but they are called by God. They are anointed by God. I would th- hate to think that, that the, the future church stopped at the end of the apostles and no longer did they have the church. This church was established to go on through the end of the age and thus there needs to be what God said in order in the first church. Can everybody say amen? And so the government being upon his shoulders, he takes that government and he establishes it into the church with honor and respect and obedience. Anybody that's ever been in the military, listen up now, you know, I don't have to tell you this, that's their code, that's their conduct, that's what you swear to. In order to be in the armed services, you have to swear allegiance that you will honor, that you will respect, and that you will obey. With the government on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, he also set up, and you could call it his kingdom, you could call it his military if you wish, but he set up this thing where that honor and respect and obedience was in the church itself. So that the conduct of the church wasn't just what everybody wanted to do. Whatever you feel, whatever you want, you just do it. There's a lot of churches that have set up themselves with no pastors. They don't want a pastor. They believe that a pastor is wrong and have set themselves away from that. But I tell you this morning, God designed pastors in the church. It doesn't matter who arises and has a difference with that. They are wrong. God has established there is pastors, there is ministers, there are, there are people that are anointed and they're going to give you a word of God. They're going to they're deal the word of God to the church. That's the way God has designed it. And what are they there for? So they can get rich, so they can have a, a lot of good stuff and people bowing down to them no they are there so that the people of God may be edified that they may be edified and grow and they may come to the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ that they may be encouraged that they may be developed this is the job of ministry in the church and this is what God called to order and let me say this this local body is going to follow that pattern and preordained system of ministry and growth for the church. Amen. This is what God has designed and we will honor it. So let's go on. Tweet this. I like to say that once in a while. I don't know if anybody's still doing the tweet thing or not. You know, they took the president off. Tweet this. If you humble yourself, God won't have to. 
Wow. I do not want the Nebuchadnezzar experience. I don't know if you remember Nebuchadnezzar. Great king. No, Babylon. He captured God's people and, and took them into bondage. And, and he just was the king of the world, he thought, until God said, well, I'm going to give you about seven years of insanity, and then we'll see what happens. And so he ate grass like a cow out in the field, probably drool coming out of his mouth. Here's the great king that conquered the world. He's eating grass. I don't want that kind of experience. Can you say amen? I don't want the experience of Herod Antipas, son of Herod the Great, who went to Caesarea and there they had a, a gathering of all the people into the theater and Josephus said he dressed himself in silver and when the sun came on him, it was illuminating like light was dancing off of him. The people began to yell, he's a god. We haven't listened to you before, but we will now because you're a god. And he's just up there, yes, I am a god. God smote him and worms ate him. Now, I don't want any of that kind of experience. Can you say amen? So if we humble ourselves, the word humble, it, it, how does it work in the church? Jesus uses it, and I want to talk about that real quick here in a minute. It's the loss of self-promotion. That's the humbling. It's to be able to take Second place. I'm not good at that. And let me refer to President Trump. He's not good at it either. Y'all only want to win. That's all. I am so bad. When I was a kid, I'm playing Monopoly. Back then, we didn't have, you know, the button games with your thumb. Playing Monopoly, and I see that I'm losing. And I figure, I can't lose if we don't finish the game, right? When you turn Monopoly upside down, it's over. The money, everything, the properties, it's all, you know, and that's just the way I was. I'm going to go out and play tennis. I see I'm losing. One time, I went to play tennis. I had two rackets and a can of balls. I came back empty-handed. That's expensive kind of playing. Just beat, I took those rackets, you just beat them on the post, you know, just, oh, man. Thank God I'm not like that anymore. The loss of self-promotion, the giving of honor to others, giving of honor to others. Everybody say honor. Honor is an act of humility. That's why God set up honor in the church. Well, I want to be humble. I'm, I just want to be just humble. I am so humble. Well, you're very saying that really gives it away, right? I'm just so humble. I, I just, humility just, just falls off of me. And really giving honor, giving other people place, lifting other people up, what does that do? That is submission on my part. Can everybody say amen? I'm going real slow on this because I just want us to understand that the act of, of giving honor 
really is humbling in our life. Now, Jesus' disciples ran into this. They begin to volley for power. We're coming to the end. They've been with Jesus quite a while now. And they're trying to find their places. This is really good. They're volleying, volleying for power. Arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Do you remember reading that? And Jesus stopped them and said, look, you're acting like a bunch of politicians. You're acting like the nations of the world. My kingdom is not about volleying for power. My kingdom is about, you want to be great in the kingdom? Become the servant of all. You want to be a great man in the kingdom? Humble yourself and be a servant. And I like the Lord. It says of him in Philippians, the second chapter, that he humbled himself and took on the form of what? Of a servant. And I'll tell you what, that's a long ways from the king of glory down to a servant. See, in our culture, we don't understand too much about servants. We don't have servants. Um, I mean, there's people that we pay to do menial jobs, but we don't have people that we own anymore. And, and thank the Lord for that. But we don't understand what servants were about. Some servants were, you know, kind of high servants. Others were very low servants. And the Lord takes on the form of a servant and he humbles himself. And so he would be the example of servanthood. He took on the lowest servant job in the house. The lowest one. He became the least servant of the house. Now they might have had someone who who ran the cart, the chariot, maybe outside. There was a driver. There was people that oversaw certain things, oversaw the fields, oversaw different aspects of the house and, and took care of different things. But then you had the servant who washed the feet. The lowest menial servant. And this is what the Lord did. He said, if I'm going to show you example of humility... If I'm going to show you what the kingdom of God really is all about, then let me be the first partaker in this thing. And I'm going to show you how to honor. I'm going to show you how to respect. I'm going to show you what it looks like to be humble. And so the Lord took it upon himself to humble himself. Heather, help me. He humbles himself. He humbled to the cross. But he humbled to his disciples. Wow. It's hard for me to imagine. Now listen to this. I was reading this. And I thought, in my past, I've been raised in, in, in Pentecost. And once in a while, we had a good old what we called foot washing. I don't know. Probably a lot of you don't have any idea what that's all about. Go around, wash somebody's feet is what it's about. You know, I never did get a blessing out of that. I just, I never. And I was trying to be honest with the Lord. I don't like washing other people's feet. I'll be honest. It's just not something that, you know, that caters to me. It just didn't seem like, you know, can we do something else, Lord? 
The Lord spoke to my heart. He said, are you greater than me? I began to think about that. And so we're going to do something this morning, and, and I'm going to ask some brethren to come up here. Brother Josh, would you come get a chair, would you, from back there and, and sit up here with me? Brother Isaac, would you come and get a chair? And of course, in the meantime, you're going to have to take off your shoes. Socks, too, please. Then I'm going to ask Brother Chris, would you come, Brother Chris? and Brother Dustin? Would you come with us this morning? Thank you, Brother Dustin. Brother Austin, would you come and, and get a chair? And just, just set them up here in a row. That's right. Yeah, just set them in a row right there. That's fine. Yeah, just like that. And uh, Brother Aaron's not here this morning. I'm going to miss him for this. But Brother Rodney's here. Brother Rodney, would you get a chair? And just stand in front of your chairs after you get them there. And just stand right up there in front of those. Brother Josh, come. So we've got you know, three, four, five, six. So I want you to stand in front of the chairs. And I want to tell you something. Church, if I were to fall over dead this morning, these are your ministers. We give honor. The scripture says, give honor to the brethren. Give double honor to those that bring the word. I want you to stand up now and honor them. Come on, give them a hand clap of thanks. Give them a hand clap of thanks. These are them. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, brothers. We appreciate you. We appreciate you so much. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. We honor, we honor the men of God. These guys have been schooled in, in ways that we have a lot of brethren in here. These are position men in this church. They teach you the word of God. They teach you the way of God. Every week you may be in a class with one of these guys. And again, I miss Brother Aaron being here this morning, but he's sick and not feeling well. But these are the men that give you the gospel that we're talking about. These are the men that we're going to honor in this house. Can everybody say amen? And we appreciate, yes. We appreciate all of your efforts. Would you be seated? We appreciate all of your efforts. You guys are going to have to take your shoes off for this next part. And the Lord says to me, are you better than me? I washed the feet of my men, of my preachers. And I'm going to elucidate a little bit because we've got a little bit of time. It's good. It's only 11.42. We've got a little time left. And, and so I'm going to go through this. And uh, Cooper, he's a lot of times my right-hand man. You're going to have to hold my mic for me, okay? Will you do that? Huh? Oh, this one's going to die. Get, a, get the other one devil would like to cut us out right when we're getting to the good stuff. 